Isaiah 54. Now just listen to these words for, for us tonight. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Can you all say amen? amen? Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're being persecuted more than you know. You know, sometimes you just don't even know. Bliss, ignorance is bliss, they say. You know, you just don't know. But when it does get through and someone just criticizes you or has an opinion about how you're leading your life and you're raising your kids and you're, you know, whatever. You have to, you have to cash that thing down because you think, well, that, you know, I'll just forgive them. But it, it, it works on you. So right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we take no thought about our reputation. We take no thought about what men care and think about us. But Lord God, that you would be pleased with us. And we agree with your word that no weapon formed against us individually and corporately as a church, and Lord, in this city, and in this county, and Lord, in Alabama, we say no weapon, no weapon formed shall prosper. It will not be worth the trouble and effort the devil uses to launch it and sustain it. It will fall to the ground. And we dismantle and disassemble words that have been spoken against us. And Lord, we reverse them and send them back to those that sent them. In Jesus' name, Lord God, we thank you, hallelujah, for keeping us, preserving us, and lifting us up. And God, we just thank you. The love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost is keeping us in this day. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Are y'all blessed this evening? Hallelujah. Whoo. You know, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's all we as Christians do is we get up every day and we say, there's not enough of me to go around in strength and in emotions and in time and in, in money. Lord, what is it that's first? What is it that, that I should spend my life on today? Because that's what will prosper. That's what will bring a glory to you and an increase to me. So we're all just seeking first the kingdom. It's a priority thing every day. There's just not enough to go around. And when we get off and get, off and get into something that, well, I just wanted to do that, you know, you may just take a little whatever, a little hiatus from God's plan, but it costs us only because we're not always at the right place at the right time. Amen? Amen. Praise God. It's good to pray. It's good to pray. It's good to pray. Well, open your Bible, if you would, with me. And um, let's, let's turn to uh, John... John chapter 3, verse 16, and then we're going to make a confession. Praise God. We're going to start, we're, this year, we're going to be talking more in the services. We're just going to start talking, and that way it'll be easy and routine for you to talk all the time to make a confession. So put your hand on your Bible, and let's say to this evening, this is my Bible, God's now word to me. I absolutely believe Everything that it says. 
no matter what the devil says, no matter what people say, no matter what my circumstances say, I am a born-again believer. I am an anointed receiver. I lay hold of everything that God has me for me today. I access the best of heaven. It changes my future, and we know this one, and everything is turning out amazing. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you tonight to go on a journey with me in 2012 to go up from just getting out of trouble, getting out of the, of the, the, the curse of this world, and just, you know, what, just, just the, the life that maybe you've accessed just to, to, like Debbie said, to whip trouble. To get out of debt and to, you know, to whip sickness down and to get our kids back and to make our business go and go to another level. You know, if you always wait till you manifest one level of faith before you launch the other, then you'll have a lull or have an area in your life where there's nothing going on. What we do is we, like Abraham, we call things that be not as though they were. So if you wait until you see it or have it to believe you've received it, then it could be that you uh, are like that man that says, we're just on the edge of breakthrough. And you could be on the edge of breakthrough for 50 years and never have breakthrough. Just always be on the edge. Well, so you, as soon as you get in faith about something, you go, man, I believe I receive, I take it, I say I have it, then that's the time for you to launch into the next arena or the next level of faith. Not when you go, well, I hadn't got that yet. Well, then you're not in faith about it because faith has it. Are you all with me? Yes. So, so that's why in, in, a in a small place or a, a difficult place that you might be in or whatever, you, you can't just say, well, gosh, I shouldn't be asking for more until I can see and have this. No, you got to get out there and pull yourself through a tight spot. If you get on the other side of the tight spot and start winching yourself, it'll pull you through. And that's why we have audacious faith sometimes, and it seems like, well, you are just so far out there. Well, we're just pulling ourselves through where we are right now by putting our hook way out there. Amen? So where I'm asking you to go with me this year is into uh, a, a new level. We talked about it last Wednesday called a life of excellence. Let's say it together, the life of excellence. And the reason that we need a life of excellence is because the Bible says that's what Jesus lived and that he wanted us to have everything on earth that he had on earth. And you go, well, okay, well, how, what's that mean? Really, many times we take the promises and we break them down and say, okay, I'm believing for healing and I'm believing for my bills to be paid and I'm believing for a new car. When actually fragmented or in pieces, we can't ever lay hold of it like we can if we understand the big picture and get the whole thing, the theater of the whole thing in, and then we can go, uh, we can go for it. In John chapter 3, verse 16, because the Word tells us that we are created to be amazing. It says, uh, John three sixteen. and now see, we don't... The church I came from, we read this every week, but we just don't read this that, that often. It says, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son. That's what I wanted you to see. That whosoever believeth in him, the only begotten son, should not perish, but have everlasting life. So here we have the promise that's based on us believing in the only begotten Son. And I want you to see there that Jesus is that only begotten Son at this point in the Gospels. At John 3.16, he is the only begotten Son of God. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going we're we're gonna to talk about the royalty and the highness of your life in Christ Jesus. I believe this. I'm staking my ministry on it. You ought, to put a, you ought to put something down that says you can't have something and you can't do anything that's beyond what you believe you are. In other words, you're only going to be able to do to the edge of who you believe you are. You're only going to be able to possess to the level of who you are. And so we're constantly establishing jurisdictions. We always, in our, in our subconscious, are only reaching for what we think we're worthy for, what we qualify for. So if you've been wound up some, with some bad thoughts or, or said something out of whatever or got caught, you know, uh, criticizing somebody and they walked in everything and you just feel so bad about yourself, there's a high likelihood you're not going into the throne room of heaven and accessing those greater things that you need. You're going to be cowering back because you feel like a worm. You feel like dirt. You just don't, you know. And so you're wanting to just kind of back off until God cools off. But that's not how it works at all. Faith is what gets past our emotions, our feelings, and the shame and embarrassment of sin. And just said, okay, I'm repenting of it. First John 1, 9, I'm getting this thing dealt with right now. And as soon as I say yes, God says amen, and it's over, and I'm going right back into the throne of heaven. I'm going into the presence of God and acting like it never happened. And boy, yeah, that's where you're in faith because the feelings, the emotions says, and the person that you did, <laughs> everything is contrary. But, you know, we'll be whooped every day and in every way if we wait on feelings to line up to what the Word says. So it says in Romans chapter 8, um, verse 28, and says, And we know that all things work together for good, for good, to them that love God, to them who are the called or the appointed according to his purpose, his plan, his intention. Verse 29, and whom, now this is interesting, verse 29, and whom he did foreknow. Did he foreknow you? Do you believe he foreknew you, that you weren't a surprise? Sometimes parents have a surprise, but do you think you came in as a surprise to God? I don't think so. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be, look, to be conformed to the image of, of his son. Now, who, which son? John three sixteen, the only begotten son of God. So he predestined you and I to be conformed to the what? To the image. If you look that up, it means exact replica. It speaks of a mirror. Mirrors don't lie. Don't you wish they could? <laughs> Woo, thank you, Lord. Why? That he... Now, here it changes, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Jesus went from being the only begotten son of God 
to being what? The firstborn among many brethren. So would you, could you and I say then now that right now that John 3.16 has been superseded? You know, at Christmas, people go, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Well, Emmanuel was the word that Jesus had when he was on the earth. It means God with us. But he's not God, he is not just God with us anymore. God with us means he came and dwelt among us and lived among us. And hey, that was a great day. Certainly the upgrade. But now there's another step since the cross and the resurrection. He's not God with us. He's God in us. God in us. I can do all things through Christ who is in me, empowering me. That's not Emmanuel. Old Testament, you know, he came on Elijah, and he came on the prophets, and he came on the kings, and he was with them in, in, in those epiphanies, uh, but, and then at, the, at, the, uh, at Nazareth and Bethlehem and all that, but we have an upgrade. Well, likewise then, he's not the only begotten son of God, and you've got to get this out because religion will tell you that, uh, that, uh, that only, he, only he is favored of God, and he's gone. He left. He came down for a visit three and a half, uh, 33 years, and then, then he boogied on back home, and we're down here with what's left. But the truth is, he left himself in us in the same measure. John 14 says, greater works, even greater works will you do because I go. So even a greater measure than him physically walking among us is what we have right now. He, made, he became from the uh, only begotten Son of God to the firstborn of, uh, among many brethren. That word brethren, if you look it up, it means, this is what it means, look it up, it means the begotten of at least one parent, brethren of either gender. gender. It means a, a uh, brother or sister that has at least one common parent. That's what it means, the word brethren. You know, you just look it up and think, well, I know what that means. You look it up, and it's, it's specific. It's either gender, a brother or sister, that has a common parent. Yeah. Well, we have a common parent. We, he, we, he is the firstborn among many brethren. So him and us, Jesus and us, have a common parent. We were born again by the Spirit of the same Father. Now, see, that upgrades you. It doesn't change anything, but when you know it, it changes you to access what you know that was already there. The proverbial $10,000 in the bank, if you don't know it's there, you could die without it not knowing it was there, but you could cash it the day that you found out about it. You could cash that rascal, pay off your boat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go on. Uh, um, that scripture, let me go back in Romans, and it says, to them that love God, all things work together for good for those that love God. So how do we love God? The, the word says in 1 John four nineteen, we love him because he first loved us. And then in Romans 5, 5, it says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, so we all things are working together for good for them that love God. How do I love him? Well, we would think it would be uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, or uh, uh, mother, mother uh, child, or whatever, brother to brother. But it's greater than that. 
He put his love, because God is love, when he came inside of us, God is love. The love of God is now the power we love God back with. It is amazing what we can do. We're taking the limits off. We're taking the binders off. We're taking the, the, the fences down that say, well, you're just an old sinner saved by grace. You're just, your righteousness is filthy rags. You know, just do the best you can because we're just old, uh, uh, walking through this, uh, pilgrims walking through this land. No, we looked last week where it says in Psalm 8 that he's made us a little lower than Elohim. Now, you can't get around this with your head. You'll freak out. You'll bomb out. But you, so it's a faith thing. You've got to let it go down in here and say, I don't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. My experience doesn't line up with it. But the Word of God says it, and I only know about God what he said. I don't let my feelings, I don't let my experience, I don't let somebody tell me about my relationship or my rights and possessions and power and dominion. I let the Word of God do all the talking. And that's what you got to do. It said, uh, um, turn uh, in, uh, let's go back to uh, chapter, are you right there in Romans chapter 8? Let's look in verse 14. That's where we are. We looked at this verse last week. It says, for as many as are led. That means guided, means directed. It means the word induced. Have you ever been induced? by God, where he just came on you and said, I want, I want my way. Sometimes you get the impression that God doesn't care. You know, God, the blue car, the red car. And, you know, he'll say, it doesn't matter to me what turns you on. Sometimes he'll say, don't touch that blue one. We bought a black Fifth Avenue in West Texas. Well, black, there's, there's dust everywhere. There's sandstorms everywhere, static electricity everywhere. It was black, as, wasn't it black as the ace of spades? But he said, that's the car he wanted us to have. And wow, what a deal we got, and it just worked for us perfectly. But it wasn't what we would have picked out. Verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? The sons of God. Now, so we got to get that in, that we're not just born again. And I don't want to say just, but I mean sometimes we throw that term around, I'm born again, and we tag ourselves, and we, and we slot ourselves, well, I'm born again. I'm, I, I'm going to heaven, or whatever definition, whatever denomination puts on it. But sons of God. Sometimes our fathers didn't really give us a good example of, of, of love and caring and direction and, and training, but we are sons of God. There is nothing that he has, a good father has, that doesn't say, I'll give it to you and I'll empower you to do it we got to upgrade. we got to go where we're supposed to go this year. we got to think according to the Word. we got to take hold of who we are. Then we'll have what we're supposed to have, and we'll be able to do what we're supposed to do. Verse 15 says, For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. And verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, look, and joint heirs with Christ. Now, isn't that amazing? You cannot, I submit to you, family, you cannot get your head around this. Your head will not let you go there. 
You have to renew your mind by the word of God. There is no natural place where you can qualify. It doesn't matter how good you are, how passionate you are, how long you pray, or how much, how, how good you, how much charitable contributions. You cannot get your head around that. You have to renew your mind to the word of God and submit your whole being to the word of God. You have to say, God, I don't even want to be. I don't know how to be, but you said I already am. I submit to it. I take hold. Abraham didn't feel like the word that God gave him where he'll be father of many. Sarai didn't feel like being Sarah when she was barren and didn't have any kids and was an old woman. She didn't feel like trucking around and saying, you know, princess and mother of many. But she put it on. They put it on, and it pushed them into the future of, who God wa- of what God wanted them to have once they started saying who they were in him. And you and I have to change our mind. I'm going to tell you tonight, though, you can't. There's a lot of things you may not can get a million dollars by the weekend. You may not can get a raise. You may not can, you may not can run a half a mile, but you can change your mind. So we're going to master what we can change, what we can do, so that what we can, can't do will submit itself to the power that we can. It's the key. It's the answer. It's who we are. It's not mind power, it's not staying power, it's not wisdom and knowledge. It is actually just believing you're the best believer God ever had. Hallelujah, and you can do it. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're just talking faith tonight, just talking about what we have, what we can do based on who we are. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a simple verse, a little verse that you go, yeah, we got that. 17. Let's break this verse down just for a moment. See if there's anything new that'll bring a light to you. That'll turn on the light in your heart. It says in verse 17. Let's read it together, verse 17. Ready? Read. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Powerful, powerful verse. Well, you know, that's the verse we, we just talk about being born again and that we're changing everything. But if we break the verse down, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new. The word new there means unused, unworn, unprecedented, uncommon. And I like this one. It was the last one in the, in the dictionary, unheard of. If any man be in Christ, he is an unheard of creation. One version, I don't remember which one it was, says a new species of being. What does it say? A new species of being. Something about never before seen or something. Uh, I should have got the right quote on that. But the, the Greek says, unused, uncommon, unheard of. Then it says, old things. And so you get to thinking that that's a, that's a habit thing or a way of life or whatever, but the word old things, I looked up things, and it's the Greek word H-O. And it's a, it's a gender word, and it literally means she, and then it says, but includes the word he. So it's not even a things in the sense of substance and material things. It can be used that way, and it did be, was used here, but it means old he and old she. The old you, who if you're a he or a she, we're not giving much room on anything else, hallelujah. The old he and the old she have passed away. 
So, you know, Pastor Buzzy always talked about, you know, the old man that you were was annihilated, destroyed, completely taken out of the way, and talked about how the new creation in Christ has never sinned. You go, well, now, how, how can that be? How, how can it be that I've never sinned? Because the sinner that you were before you received Jesus was taken out of the, out of the way. The old he was, has passed away. The word passed there, I looked it all up, y'all, so just, just be steady here. The word passed away means gone away. It means perished. So annihilated or destroyed is accurate. Brother Hagin called it destroyed. So the old he has perished. Down here, the spirit man, he's gone. Yeah, you, you got a dimple over here before you're born again? Same dimple, you know, same. Everything's the same on the outside, but on the inside, completely renovated, taken over. The old destroyed, annihilated, the new man in Christ come in. So, and everything on the outside then emanates or responds to what's on the inside. So if you know who you are on the inside... You begin to reflect that with your words. You begin to reflect that with your faith. You begin to reflect that with your, your expectations. I can do all things through Christ. Why? Because there's a new man on the inside. And the old man that mama knows and the old man that my old buddies knew and the old man that used to this, that, and the other, he's been destroyed, taken out of the way, perished. It's the new man inside, and I can do that. I can have that because of who I've been made. And then it goes on, and it says... All, all things are become new. The word become there, it, become implies a work of progress or a future event, like will become or soon become. It's, it, it implies that. But actually the word, and I'm not Greek, y'all, but I do read. It means performed, finished, and fulfilled. So it says there old things have passed away and all things are become fulfilled. Well, you go, well, I hadn't done it yet. I hadn't, I hadn't uh, won, won anybody to the Lord, and I haven't uh, done right by them. He says, it's done inside of you already. It's just got to be carried out on the outside. But the work has been done on the inside. So here it is. Old things are become new, and uh, that, that word is the same new as it was in the first of the verse when it says, all things that ever become new is the same one. He is a new creation, unused, unworn, unprecedented, uncommon, and unheard of. So if we could pull back <laughs> our outward man and pull back our soul, which is protecting the inward man, we would see a bright, shiny, unblemished, uh, uh, sin-free inner man. In Christ, one that's never sinned, one that's never messed up, one that's never wrecked. Every bad thing that's been in our life has been in the soul realm, has been in the flesh. This inward man, if you'll just turn him loose, he'll work that stuff out. He'll work from the inside. The who we are in Christ will work to the outside, and your mind will start cooperating as you renew it, and it'll agree with that inner man. And your flesh, even though there, Paul said there's no good thing in my flesh, you'll start training it, start disciplining it, making it conform. It'll holler. You'll never get it trained where it'll do it on its own, but you begin to put it into a form where you can hold it on a leash, and you can tell your body, this is what you're going to do because 
because the new man that I found out that I was is in charge. He's in town, and you'll never get off the leash. You'll never get your own way. We're not living by the flesh. We're living by this inward man. But you got to know that. Not just know it intellectually, not just know it in a sense of fact. you got to know it on the inside where it's a consensus, where there's a conviction, where there's a persuasion. This is who I am, therefore this is what I have, therefore this is what I do. And I'll tell you, the devil, you'll put him on the run. You don't have to have a whole bunch of devil whooping scriptures. you just got to have a whole bunch of who you are in Christ scriptures going on in your life, and the devil is automatically on the outside. The curse will go, the devil will go, and you'll start possessing the land of promise. So you go, how do I get this? It's so hard. You have to meditate day and night. You have to think on these things. You have to give yourself to them. And the weapons that are formed against you that says you're a worm, you'll always be a worm because look what you always go back to, you have to deny that. You have to confront it. You have to cast it out and say, I know that I did what they said I did, but I'm not who they say I am. Just because I'm in the garage doesn't make me a car. And just because I messed up in my flesh does not make me a sinner, does not make me less qualified. The blood of Jesus. Now in verse 21, if you go down to verse 21, we just got to read that verse. It says, oh, we love this verse. We're going to read it together. Verse 21. Verse 21, ready, read. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So there was a heavenly transaction that God put the sin of man on Jesus at the cross, put our sin on him, put his righteousness in us, and this transaction was so unfair, it was so wrong, Jesus was sinless, he deserved only the blessing of the Lord. We were so sinful, the word is iniquity. It's not even like, well, I mess up here and I mess up there. We uh, sinners have an iniquity in them, and the source and root of their whole behavior is based in sin because of iniquity. You think, I got a little grandma or I got a little lady down the street that, you know, she's so sweet and everything. You got to know when the chips are down, when the, when the calling comes in, when you put her in a vice, when you get to grips to the bottom of it, she is looking out for one person only. It is her, and she will scratch your eyes out to preserve it. And you go, oh, she's sweet. When the root is iniquity, it can't bear anything but sin and fear and meanness and terror. And, but once you're born again, you can be locked up in, the, in, in death row. And you wouldn't trust anybody on death row. You wouldn't trust anybody. But when they're born again, I'm telling you, they're new creations in Christ. And it's just, it's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. Well, see, if you're going to have a life of excellence, you've got to put on Jesus. Now, I want you to go with me. We're almost through here. We sure are. Uh, to uh, 1 John chapter 4. This righteousness of God in Christ Jesus literally means the state of anyone who has been deemed acceptable to God. The state of anyone, the position of anyone that God says you're acceptable. It's called the righteousness of God. But here in 1 John, we're talking about the life of excellence. The life of excellence. It's an upgrade from just getting along. It's, a, it's an upgrade from whooping the devil after 30 days. It's an upgrade from finally getting off the sickbed. It's an upgrade from finally getting some bills paid. 
the life of excellence lives above. And I'm going to show it to you out of the Word. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says, uh, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Let's see if I'm in the right place here. Yes. Okay, verse 17. There we go. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, here it is right here. Let's read it together. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, let's put it in first person and read it again. Because as he is, so am I in this world. Let's say it again. Because as he is, so am I in this world. Now, I'm telling you, you can't get your head around that. You have to meditate it that everything Jesus was when he was on the earth has come inside of you. Do you believe that Jesus lived the life of excellence? Do you believe he ever cut corners or he ever cheated on his taxes or he ever, you know, shortchanged somebody in order to get ahead? He was straight up all the way, and it wasn't just because he had a moral sense about I'm the son of God. It was what was in him. It was what was in him. It's who he was, and so it was not hard, though he was tempted like we are, it was not hard to do what he did because it came like a river out of who he was. So we have to recognize, we have to discover and recognize what is the river inside of me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, you look in my past, you can dig up stuff, and you go, well, listen, Pastor, that isn't, that's not lovely. That's not cool. That's not right. But, but that's not who I am. It may be what I did, but it's not who I am. Are y'all getting control of the flesh? Are y'all renewing your mind? Are y'all are getting the blood on your life? Every day we are increasing. We are taking ground by faith. And it's a losing battle unless we do it by faith. You'll just, you'll just whip it uh, medically and mentally and in your soul. Get a psychologist and you'll just, they'll just wear you out. As he is, so am I in the world. So Jesus put on this excellent life that was inside of him. He always had it, but it had to come to us by faith. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. One of the things, the major thing that became new is not just that you got born again. That, that's the main event. But what happened in the new birth is the life of excellence was downloaded inside of you and I. We weren't just neutralized where the bad things don't come out as bad. We were given a new royalty. Remember we talked about Sunday how Moses, who was a Hebrew boy, he was in a ark, a little uh, basket, had a Hebrew cloth in it. Or, uh, he was marked as a Hebrew because the, of, the, of the swaddling things or whatever that was in there, no doubt. But he was put in Pharaoh's palace. And I'm telling you, there wasn't any Hebrew about his treatment. It was first class. Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, this was his grandson now. He, he, was, he was grandfathered in, and Moses lived a life of excellence. He was born again in the sense of the outside, the exterior. Well, it happened to us on the inside. He had it physically up front. But we've got it inside, and it'll work on the inside. Let me read to you about this word 
that's translated or the, that's the definition of excellence because we get that word kind of uh, uh, messed up. Um, God, you go, well, I don't know if I can give excellence to God. I don't know if I can measure up, and, and I don't want to be under condemnation, so I'm just going to settle for good. And we talked about last week how good is the enemy of best. Wherever you settle, you settle too soon. Now, the new birth is instant, but the renewing of the mind is progressive. I'm changing my mind every day. I take new ground, and praise God, I'm glad for it. I'm excited about learning something and, and changing my mind, and, but you can't stop there. Are you all with me? That's the problem with this gospel. It is so good that people just go, it's better than it's ever been. Let's just stop. Let's just, let's, it's just don't, don't rock the boat. Let's just stop here, but it's, it's not ours to stop. This word is magnanimity. Magnanimity. <laughs> it just sounds better than just good or excellent, but it's a word, and it's what we have. Even Debbie, uh, she told me that something she saw that the, uh, what's the name of that show? That Dance Moms. Do not watch this show. Do not. But I will tell you, it's on TV, just like... A, it's the moms from hell, okay. But uh, uh, whatever the storyline is, is there's this, this dance instructor, and she has such a high standard that she actually has, was it a sign? A sign that says that uh, perfection is expected, excellence is tolerated. Well, that's a little higher standard than most churches and most Christians. I will tell you that when we traveled the nation in uh, 1996, and you would know anywhere, you go into churches, and uh, it's not excellent. And no need in throwing stones at that, because we're all working on that, but we can do, we can do what we're supposed to do when we discover what we have. Let me read you some of the definitions of magnanimity. It, the def definition is that, listen, just listen to this, that elevation or dignity of soul which encounters danger and trouble with tranquility and firmness. I'm going to read that again. The elevation or dignity of soul which encounters danger and trouble with tranquility and firmness which raises the possessor above revenge and makes him delight in acts of benevolence. Now, we're talking about a secular term for what magnanimity perfected and honed in a person, how it would come out. Now, we already have him inside of us. To be magnanimous is to be generous in forgiving an insult or injury, Did I say generous? Not tolerant, not begrudging, not down the road. Okay, in 20 days, I'll think about it, but generous. It's to be free from resentfulness or vindictiveness. 
I was just convicted to the bone here. You know, you just, if you set a new standard, everything falls. When you, you know, we all set a standard low enough where we all feel in our, own, in our own righteousness pretty good. But if you raise the standard according to the Word of God, you go, okay, i got to get in faith about this. It means uh, to be high-minded and noble in soul. Now I'm going to give you a list of short words that, that magnanimous means. It means to be living above. It means exceptional, distinctive outstanding, magnificent, choice, notable, accomplished, enthusiastic, creative, overcoming, determined, goal-oriented, assured, steadfast, convicted thoroughly, diligent. Turn with me to Psalm 37 and we'll be through. Say, I live a life of excellence in 2012. Come on, y'all. We can do it. We can do it. It's a decision. It's a decision. It's a decision. Love is a decision. It's not a feeling. And the life of excellence is a decision. It's nothing you can do anyway. It's not, it's not going to cost you effort. It's going to make you just have to make a decision. I'm going to, I'm, uh, Keith Moore says this, he says, if it's not quiet, it's not right. And we have all settled. And sometimes what we've settled for wouldn't get it. So we've settled for not getting it. When we, if we would press and be like that word excellent, diligent and, and persuaded and high-minded and just say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on. Have you ever been with colleagues or people that just, uh, put a standard in you when you got around them, you always just felt like, man, I am a slug. Here they are, they're reading, they're, they're, they're thinking, they're not, they're not just watching TV all night, and they're not just, you know, reading this and slogging that, and, and you just go, I want to be, you, has anybody in here say, I want to be more disciplined? It puts a little edge on you, like, look what they're having, look what they're doing, and, uh, you know, and they're not missing all this stuff. They're not going to the mud races over in Jemison. <laughs> you ought to have seen that on TV. It was the most interesting thing you've ever seen before. Hallelujah. They filled up a hole in Jimison, Alabama, and, uh, and every truck with high wheels in Alabama came to it and, and went through it and, and gave good money for it. I'm not, I'm not passing judgment at all. I'm just saying you might not be magnanimous if that's all you thought about. Hallelujah. It says in Psalm 37, uh, verse 7, praise his name. Hallelujah. It says, uh, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord they shall inherit the earth. I'm living a life of excellence. I'm pressing for it. I'm holding out for it. I'm telling you, we're living in the last of the last days, and it's getting where if you're going to take something to heaven, you, gotta, you can't wait until you're 80. You can't even wait till next year and just say, I, I need more time. I, I got to have a little more. We can put it on right now. In Jesus' name, I can put it on right now. 
So we've got to renew our minds. So that means we're going to be in the Word, but hey, we're already in the Word. We're going to give ourselves to the attention and detail of as He is, so am I in this world. Holding out. Setting a standard. I believe the Lord wants a people, some people in the earth, to be holding out to that standard, to discover it, to aspire to it, and to walk it out before he comes back. In one place, he says, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? I say, here at Word of Life Church, Lord, we were, we were hitting at it. Amen. We're going to receive our midweek tithes and offerings. If you're giving tonight and you need an envelope,